right. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Science in between. I'm Ollie. And I'm Scott. And uh, I think this this week we're going to be like a little bit more in the in between than in the Ooh. science. Ooh. You know? All right. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. we've been spending a lot of time talking about, you know, science, science education. But I think, you know, going back to the beginning parts of this, you know, where this podcast was, you know, created, developed, you know, out of that. Conceived. Yeah, conceived out of that that molten stuff that this originated. Stardust that this was created. You know, it was really built upon, you know, the beginning of the pandemic and how how we're going to teach science online and how we're going to do all this stuff online or in remote and all that and and you and i had uh i don't know two separate conversations two separate experiences this week that sort of linked together i I don't know if we need to really get into your experience very much but you had an interaction with somebody who said that the future of education was online remote instruction Yeah, everything was going to be remote instruction. And then um, that was in my head because you conveyed that to me. And then I was listening to uh, the Adam Grant uh, podcast recently. If you're not familiar with Adam Grant, he's an organizational psychologist out of the University of Pennsylvania. And he records a uh, a podcast called Work Life. He's a TED Ted guy. I, I think I recommended or you recommended, somebody recommended his book, right? His Think yeah. Again book. I yeah, mean, I, on, as a joy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just finished reading it just a handful of weeks ago. And I mean, he's he's great. But um, he was talking about uh, it was a podcast really about change, changing work and all this. And one of the examples that they brought on was a teacher who um, developed this thing or is working with this thing called the Modern Classrooms Project and which is pretty much fully online instruction. Um, but it's really from a different perspective than I think some other schools are 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 doing and so you know as we're talking about these two experiences that we've had you know is is the future of education in america online yeah. that's the conversation today that, I guess, that's the conversation today and and we'll see where it goes from there but yeah the um yeah i think i think it's it's a i mean it's a relevant question right i mean sure. we we just had essentially two and a half years of the answer of to that question being yes. So we have an experiment, right? We have a, here's what happens now. Granted, that was not a gradual cultural shift into that mode of instruction. It was a panic and a pivot at the last minute into let's throw everything that we have at this problem uh, to, to put a bandaid on a very bad situation. Um, It was triage. It was triage. That's right. So the question is like, if, if, if we were to not have triage version of this, if we were to try to really convert all schools and we're talking K to 12 now, we're not talking about higher ed. If we were to convert all schooling in, in the United States to remote slash online. Online. Right. So what would that look like? How is it possible? How do we imagine it? Um, Yeah. So I guess that's a, that's the jumping point. My my reaction when you said that was that's never going to happen that, yeah. you know, roughly, I don't know, 50 million K to 12 students are going to be moving online. You know, yeah. I, I don't I don't think that one, there's a desire for it. Um, I don't think parents across the United States, I think they see some of the benefits now 
but I don't think that they, um, they don't want, I don't think they want their kids at, in, at home, you know, 24 seven. I don't think they do. No. Um, no, well, especially the young ones, right? Right. Especially. Um, I think that, you know, the one, so I, I have to, you know, I'll put this out there first. Um, I'm a proponent for online teaching. I have been working with online teaching for the last 15 years. I wrote a book on blended learning. I, I, this is, you know, sort of, you know, we have a graduate program at Millersville that uh, is a, around online teaching. It prepares K to 12 teachers to teach online. And I will say though, that, 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 you know, I, I'm the coordinator for two graduate programs. One's in STEM education and then the other one's in online teaching. And for, and these have both been in existence since like about 2015. And since 2015, our STEM um, enrollments, the STEM education graduate enrollments were about three to one, four to one, our online teaching. Mm. They're about the same now. Like, so, so, I mean, the, the interest in online teaching has definitely grown. Like we're about the same numbers in our two programs. And it's not that there are less people interested in STEM education. There are more people interested in online teaching. And so, um, we just, they've grown to, to, to meet. Um, and so there's definitely a desire to have more background, more experiences, more, um, foundational knowledge about teaching online and schools are supporting that because these are teachers coming. And so most of, you know, teachers who seek a graduate degree have to work with their district some way to be able to, you know, say, Hey, I'm going to go do this. Can you reimburse me? And that's how they pursue a graduate degree in online teaching. So there's getting supports from their districts to do this. Um, so there's clearly an interest. Um, but is it going to be enough interest and enough preparation, enough infrastructure, and you could just keep going with that, sure. right? To move all students online. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, there there's so many angles into this. So, but but let's stick with the one that you sort of just brought up, which is sort of around infrastructure. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine in some future world, right, uh, where the interfaces and and this goes to I had I at Penn State they have a thing called the Open Innovation Challenge that uh, Teaching and Learning with Technology Group does every year at their their big symposium and people get to elevator pitch their ideas and then people vote on the best one and that one wins and then they set it up as a project in TLT so I won this Open Innovation Challenge. I think it was the second year they ran the competition. Look at you. I know back in the day when I had good ideas. Um, <laughs> but the idea that I had was around residue, which had to do with just this idea that, you know, um, in universities, the classrooms are generic because um, so many people teach and so many different things get taught in there that they, they sort of have to be. So the, my, my imaginary notion, this idea of residue was, could we develop essentially an interface for the class that would keep track of what was happening in there. And when you came back in, it would reproduce it. So if there, so if you've been working on something, if you're working in groups and there was stuff up on whiteboards or on digital whiteboards or whatever, it would just put, put all that stuff back up. So, so it felt like it was your room from class to class, you know, whether that's posted student work, whether that's images you wanted to have up, whatever, like it could be anything. That's cool. But, um, but I can't imagine in some future, you know, universe, may, 10, I don't know, 20, 50, I don't know how many years technology prediction is a notoriously difficult thing. 
um, where the notion of hybrid gets a lot more viable so that you can say like, oh, we've got some kids homesick, but instead of them, you know, sitting in bed, like they're not sick, so sick that they can't operate. They're just a little, little sick or they, you know, whatever they, they broke their leg and they have to be in the hospital. Well, yeah, we can send them a, or have them use their phone, set up a camera. They can be integrated into the classroom in some way and, and do it in a much more meaningful way. Like you could develop interfaces whether those are AR, VR, or just more traditional that would integrate kids into those classrooms. But that's, that's like so far down the road, because I think one of the things that I hear from almost everybody over the last two years is face-to-face is great. Remote is okay. We can manage it if we have to. Hybrid is going to be the death of us. Right. Like, like this idea of like, okay, I've got half my class in the room in front of me and half my class like up on in some virtual space. So that's, I think, one of the things that is going to make this transition between a fully or mostly face-to-face world of K-12 education to this virtual world is that the in-between space is really messy and we don't have the technologies yet to really support high quality hybrid instruction. Um, so, so that's going to make that transition because then it ends up being sort of a switch of a, a flip of a switch, right? You're either yeah. online or you're virtual or you're face to face, but you're not a mix of those two. So I think that's a, that's a big challenge for this. You know, even if we agreed upon, which I don't, I don't think either of us think, like that's the best place, like everybody remote. But even if that were the notion, there's some big technological barriers that would have to be overcome. Yeah, I, I just I think that there are some technological possibilities that would make the hybrid instruction a little bit you know, better. But I mean, the cost of doing that and outfitting schools and training schools and and doing it in all classrooms in yeah. all schools is just cost prohibitive. I mean, it, we see, you know, in science fiction movies or whenever you see like really high end companies like Google or Apple having like these remote instruction or these remote meetings where you see like people being projected and all that. I mean, that's possible. There's the technology is possible for all of that or like having, you know, VR headsets. There's some possibilities there too. But you know, it is is not scalable at this point for mm-hmm. us to move, you know, 50 million students yeah. you know, in and in such a diverse, mm. you know, way. Like we're talking like the diverse nature of schools. We have really rural schools and really urban schools. And we have, you know, just the diversity of schools and, and, and families. I don't know. I mean... Well, even just the internet for that, like oh I mean, yeah, what we saw during the pandemic, like the all the kludges and and fixes and attempts to try and get kids who were especially in rural but also in urban internet deserts, right? Like, how do we get these kids connected? And um, yeah, I mean, I think that the technological hurdles are are big, um, and and uh, you know, even if even if everybody was interested in it, we're talking about at least a decade, if not multiple decades of work before we get anywhere near. Yeah. But I think, you know, for me, the thing that like, I just keep coming back to every time I hear this notion um, is the one that you brought up earlier, but I want to add a little, little 
nuance to it, right? Which is this idea that like <clears throat> parents can't deal with this, right? Like if I'm a, even, even if I'm a parent who's lucky enough to be able to work at home and I choose to work at home, having my second grader in another room in school while I'm in work, it, I mean, we saw not, the untenable nature of that, yeah. right? Like, like young kids like that can't manage that for themselves. And, and if parents have to manage that side, they can't work. So I think one of the things that that brings up that is, it has to be thought about is is the is the equity piece of it too, which is to go back to this idea of like even if you're lucky enough to work from home, well there there are a lot of jobs and especially not very high paying jobs that require you to leave your home, right? So you and I, like when our universities pivoted to remote instruction, it had little to no impact on our jobs, right? right. I mean, it sucked in a lot of ways, but we didn't we didn't lose money. We didn't lose hours. We didn't lose really anything. It just was like our, our, our operating world. That's a small portion of the working population. Right. Though it is often the, the part of the population that makes these declarations that we're all going to be online and we're all going to be right. So, but you know, if you work at a store, if you work, um, you know, in a restaurant, any service industry, any, any service industry, you know, any part of the service industry, if you're working in that, that's not something you can do from home. Right. And, so what are you going to do with your kids? Right. right. So I've got a, I've got a, even a fifth or a sixth grader. So I'm just going to leave them at home with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a laptop and go off to work for 12 hours, you know, cause, cause I got to commute there too. Right. And most of those folks have long commutes to, and, and the timing of it too. Like, okay, well I, I have to leave before my kid gets up. And, you know, I, I mean, there's so many yeah. complexities to this that are just, like seems so woefully naive and and inequitable to think that we're just going to move to that as a model. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's something that shouldn't be discounted, that schools still provide, I don't want to call it a babysitting service, but a supervised, yeah. you know, place that, you know, we can send, you know, kids while parents are working. And that is a, a service that is necessary in our society. In, um, in an economy that has service jobs or right. any kind of jobs, really. But the other part about that, though, is that I and for me, one of the things that I always thought that the that online teaching was going to become a bigger thing was about the the safety of schools, mm-hmm. and and I think in our American society that has this you know, an interpretation of the second amendment where, you know, guns can, cannot be regulated, you know, mm-hmm. that I think that puts schools in, in really the crosshairs. And I think there are families that are, no that's intended. a, no, I know um, mm-hmm. that there are families that consider that, that are thinking about, you know, sure. okay, uh, I'm going to put my kid on a bus today and are they going to come home? Yeah. And and that is that safety issue is something that I know schools and families are are dealing with. Like, and yeah. I, I don't know how that gonna, is going to play out. I always thought it was going to play out with more people moving online, but it's going to be moving everybody online. You know, well, and, and, I, he, and even again, who who are the people who are going to choose to do that? Right? Yes. The people who can. Exactly. Who can. And who so can, who have one parent who stays at home and doesn't have a, a job 
uh, you know, outside of the home. Or right? can hire or, somebody or, right. so, who or can, can hire, hire somebody. somebody. So who can hire who has like, to leave who has to leave their kid at home to come take care of your kid. right right like, <clears throat> so, like hire like a nanny or an au pair or right. you know yeah and and so yeah i think the end result that i think you and i are both kind of talking around is it's just going to further disenfranchise the people who are already disenfranchised right yeah and and you know i think it's yeah, it's a depressing, it's a depressing scenario. Right. And I think the other thing that's the the flip side of that, that I think, again, we see mostly with little kids, but we see with all kids is what it does to their socialization. Right. Yeah. So that like my, my wife, um, who you may know, um, works with student teachers in elementary school and, uh, she has seen in the last couple of years, you know, teachers talking about what happened to those kids that were remote instruction for a year and a half to two years, what it did to their social skills, to their ability to interact with other kids. And that we cannot take that for granted. Like this right. idea that Zoom is the same, you know, the, the same interaction as face-to-face is, is obviously incorrect, but, but it also, well, this is a, my, one of my, you know, sort of, you know, constant uh, themes, which is this is also based on, on a notion of learning that is really anemic and sad and right. and, and transmission focused. Right. Um, and but this idea that like kids all in Zoom rooms, half of them with their cameras off. Um, is the same experience and can can help kids socialize. I mean, it's just bananas. Like people need to interact with other human beings if for no other reason that eventually they're going to have to interact with other human beings and they need to learn how to do it in a way that's not antisocial. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that, that, so I work with, uh, you know, teachers, we both work with teachers a lot and the elementary teachers that I, I you know, the, I, I've worked with over the last year or two, the ones who are in like third grade are the ones who are just like, yeah, teaching third grade right now is not like teaching third grade. It's, it's a whole really like, thing. Right. Because they're working with third graders who have spent the majority of their last two or three years of education online. And so all of the things, the, the norms, the social norms that they would have learned going through a kindergarten first and second grade like how to line up how to like walk from place to place how to be able to put on a jacket and tie your shoes and do all that stuff that gets taught or reinforced in school was lost because those are things you can't teach kids through zoom right and so those third grade teachers are the ones who are you know are most frustrated are most pushed to their limits and they're just like, yeah, I don't know how to, how to, I don't know how to do this because there's so much of the stuff that I'm just going back and reteaching things that should have been taught during, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Um, that being said, I think there's going to be more opportunities for infusing online teaching in schools. Um, but I don't think it means that there is we're tearing down schools or we're, you know, like for instance, like I, I, I could see that I was, I was thinking about this this morning before we started recording and I was thinking, okay, right now, you know, gas prices are 
through the roof, right? They're mm-hmm. yeah, and they're double basically of what they were, you know, the start of last school year. And so, any school who is transporting thousands of students to school every day has now their their transportation costs have doubled. You know, yep. Um, are are there going to be some schools that are going to say, you know what? Uh, to cut that cost or to make that out because I mean, they're, they have fixed budgets. It's not like sure. we're going to be like, yeah. ah, I'm going to raise some more. Uh, let's raise the, you know, raise, cost tuition. Of, yeah. raise tuition or raise the cost of this widget to offset. There's no widget, right? There's mm-hmm. like, so it's not like they can make up that by raising costs someplace else. They have a fixed budget. And so they're going to either cut teachers or cut staff or do something like there's something that they would have done that they can't do anymore. Or do they say, you know what, we're going to have, you know, Wednesdays online. Right. We're going to have Fridays online. Yep. Yeah. We're going to have a four day schedule, right? It's easier. It's it's easier for rotation purposes. So we have an AB day schedule and then we have Fridays, which are remote. Right. There are schools. I am certain there are schools right now that are thinking about that or having that conversation. Yeah. They're saying, you know what? Because our budget is so constrained right now, we we're we're already short staffed. This is a solution, and they're considering how to do it because you know the constraints are such that they are looking at all options, and this is presenting an option. Um, I don't know. I mean, is that you know? Again, I'm coming back to that quote that you, you from the person you talked to who said, you know, hey, look, we're it's all going to be online. It's all yeah. going to be online in the future, and this is yeah. somebody who who without like, you know, identifying that person is somebody in a position of, of, of knowing, right. Or at least of having influence on that decision. Yes. Right. Right. Which which I was like, Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, and and I want to be clear, you know, this was sort of an offhand comment in a, in a larger conversation. So I may have misinterpreted what this person meant, but it, but it was clear that whatever they meant they meant something more than um, we currently have by a lot. So, um, you know, at least in the range of a third of students online, if not more. So, um, so it, yeah, I mean, I do think um, it's, it's a fascinating question and especially after, you know, the pandemic and I know some people are uncomfortable with talking about quote unquote learning loss um, that occurred, right? Because they don't want to talk about it that way because whatever, they feel like that's not the yeah. appropriate way to discuss what happened over the last few years. Um, but I do think it, 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 whether you talk about learning loss or not, this socialization piece, um, like <laughs> kids need to be around other kids to, to learn. Um, and I'm not talking about the content. I'm talking about to learn how to be a human being. And, and I know this is a problem in our schools for other reasons, but but even in the least diverse schools, the schools are more diverse than the home of the child, right? Yeah. I mean, so they, they're having to deal with other kids who have different family cultures, who have different socioeconomic circumstances, who have whatever, almost always different racial and cultural backgrounds, though not always, but certainly cultural backgrounds. And, and that sort of frisson is incredibly important to developing human beings that can live in our society, right? And are not going to 
um, stereotype and and categorize other human beings in in unhealthy and you know let's just call it I don't know hateful ways right so I mean it, it is important to have these kinds of interactions I'm not saying that that schools are perfect places and that you know it's it's not rough on kids to be in school because it is like I remember what my middle school was you know, nobody jumps up and down about how great middle school was. Like it's, it's a, you know, it's a kick in the teeth, but, but that kick in the teeth is part of becoming a, you know, an, a enculturated normal human being. And I know, you know, sometimes there are bad things about that and we, we should do everything we can to, to reduce that. But, but you have to be in community with other human beings to, to develop as a human being. And if not, you know, we end up with like the whole, a whole constituency full of Ted Kaczynski's, which we just don't need that. Well, I, I, I want to kind of really, okay, that was right. That was, I want to reel you in a little bit because, you know, I, I think there are lots of kids right now who are going to online schools, you know, in Pennsylvania, we have like a little over a hundred thousand students in fully online schools, you know, yeah. and, and so there are kids who are doing this already. And, and I don't want to, you know, uh, I'm not going to say that those kids are not being socialized or they're going to be turned into little Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, that was that was mean spirited of me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you just you just started shaking your fist at every cloud, right? You're yeah. just like, yeah. I, I had an old man moment. I, I know you I did. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to pull you in a little bit because, you know, I think those 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 parents are making those decisions based on, you know, the cards they're dealt with. And they're like making it and saying, you know what, this is the best interest. And I think every parent is trying to do right by their kids and, and they're trying to look at what are the factors and, and maybe they're in a school right now that is, is not going to provide the best education or the best support or or a safe unsafe environment or right. Or a safe environment for their kid. And, and so they're going, you know what, based on the, the, the cards and the things I'm looking at right now, I'm going to choose to send my, my kid to, to this school. Um, And, 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 but, for me, the conversation isn't whether, um, I guess it's, it's it's one. Is it tenable that we say, okay, rather than you know the minority of kids are going to online schools, like you know, because we're talking a hundred thousand out of whatever in Pennsylvania, yeah. um, to all, yeah, right, or even a plurality, or right, a, or a plurality, a majority, or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Are we are, are we positioned for that? And if that's the case, if we are going to do that, is let's say, you know, from an infrastructure standpoint, from a pedagogical standpoint, from all of it, like, um, and what does that look like for our society when, you know, it's not just, a, you know, 100,000 kids, but, you know, several hundred thousand or a million or two million kids. Yeah, millions of kids, right? Yeah. Millions of kids or across the state, United States, 50 million kids are online. What does that look like? And I, I say, that's not happening. It's not happening. And I don't think we're one ready for that to happen. And I don't think that, um, I, I also think that some of the, like, and you talk about some of the societal implications for that. Um, Cause I think that those, those families, families who homeschool their kids, you know, are intentional with how they socialize their kids. They're trying yeah, to, you that's know, fair too. they're intentional. They're like, I'm going to have my kids participate in this. I'm going to have my right. kids 
participate in church or in these plays or whatever or soccer or and some of those people who are some of those kids are are doing that because maybe they're working right maybe they're an actor or maybe they're an athlete or maybe they're you know or something else or maybe they have some you know um illness some disability something which is preventing them to be able to fully participate at school like and and those are all things that we shouldn't discount um because the again it comes down to there's families are making the i think the best decisions based on what their family needs are um i just don't i don't see a a route a path that goes from it being an option to it being the option right to being required right Right. And I think, you know, the thing that that I hear in this that that I think we is a theme, another theme of the show um, is that when when technology comes around, new technology, there is this sense that often happens and it doesn't just happen in education. It happens across our culture that, okay, this is the thing. This is now the thing that is going to completely transform, revolutionize, blah, blah, whatever, right? We use MOOCs as as an example all the time, right? And I think remote learning is the same way, which is to say, as you said, it makes a lot of sense for a subset of the population that need it for whatever reason. And as you say, many of those reasons, if not all, are legitimate, Um, but, but mandating it for everybody is a whole different thing and and uh, and as you say there are so many challenges around it not not least of which are the technological but certainly the social too and so yeah is remote learning here to stay of course it is i mean there's no doubt in my mind that it's not only here to stay but it is likely to be a growing segment of the educational context both in higher ed and in k-12 is it going to be everything no not any more than MOOCs are, right? I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense for everybody to do that for a whole host of reasons. Now, if we get to the place where, you know, it's like, uh, oh my gosh, what's what's the robot movie with um, the Pixar movie where like everybody's in those chairs uh, uh, in space? Oh my gosh. Uh, it. There yeah. are people at home yelling at us. Wally. Right Wally. Wally. Right. I mean, if we get to that place where we're all like in lounge chairs and yeah. then maybe remote schooling, but you know, I mean, it just like it, there, there are other like sci-fi examples where people are like confined to their homes and just doing VR visits to each other. But, um, you know, I don't, or holographic visits to each other, you know, you're just I, throwing out all sorts of sci-fi yeah. references here. Well, that was, there was an Isaac Asimov book. I think it's the robot series where, where they go to a planet where nobody actually interacts in person and it's like a huge deal. But um, anyway, point is what we're looking at here is a subset of the educational context. And and until the technology gets better, I think there are significant compromises that are made that can be made up for, yeah. but, but require intentionality to make up for those things, right? It can't just be, oh, we're going to take what we have in, in schools and turn it into remote. And on, and we know this from all sorts of things about education, that when you transition from, from, from using different technologies, you can't necessarily keep the pedagogy the same. In fact, often you have to change the pedagogy to, to adapt to the technology, Right. And you can talk about this in, in the context of online learning, but 
but the the pedagogies don't match because the because the mechanisms and the 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 social component are different the way that that is delivered is different and therefore it makes sense for the pedagogies to adapt so online learning isn't going to be the same as face to face learning it needs to be different so that it can be impactful or as most the most impactful it can be yeah I I have a developing thought here. So if it comes out clumsily, I I apologize. Well, it can't be any worse than my, my, (laughs) your your old man rant. Yeah. My old man rant. So carry on. No, I, I, I think that online learning is, is an answer to a problem. And whenever, whenever it is introduced, it's because there's been a problem that's been identified. It's not like, hey, I'm seeking out online learning because it's the, I mean, it's the way, right? It's the, we're recognizing, this is the way. It's like, no one's going, okay, um, I have the, that is the model that I see as edu- is education, right? Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's a cultural thing and maybe that's our, ex- our prior, own prior experiences or whatever. But I think online t- teaching, online learning is still the, well, we have to solve this problem, whatever this problem is, and that's a solution to the problem, right? Uh, and whether it's, you know, gas prices or whether it's unsafe schools or whether it's a, a, a kid with an illness or whatever. And I think as long as that's the, the way it is, it's not going to be, you know, the widespread solution. It's going to be these targeted things, you know. Yeah. And, and, and maybe that didn't come out as clumsily, clumsily as I intended, but I think that. You know, the flip side I, of that. You, you intended it not not to be clumsy, though. Right. I, th- I, I think you said right, it the other that, way. Right, right. That's where it was <laughs> that, clumsy. That's where you were clumsy. <laughs> not in the idea, but in the talking about how clumsy the idea was. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. That's, good. that's good. That's All consistent. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's on brand. That's on brand for Ali. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So I guess where do we land? You know, it's I, I think there'll, there'll always be, we're going to have growing numbers of, of students in online um, environments. We're going to have growing numbers of kids in traditional schools who are going to be, you know, for whatever reason, going to be in online classrooms, going to be, you know, having remote days because of, you know, rising costs, whatever. So there's going to be more kids online, but I don't, I think it's a very far distance away for us to get 50 million kids all online we're very far away from that and for a whole host of reasons and so is the future online maybe a hundred years from now maybe 50 years from now but it's not going to be in your career or my career yeah you know or well i was gonna we're probably in some of the folks that we're working with, the, the, yeah. the, the teachers we're preparing who are going to be in the schools for like, you know, in the next 20 or 30 years, maybe, maybe, right. but that's yeah. still. Well, and the irony for me is that the people, if there are people out there, and if this person that I was speaking with was one of them, but uh, who are saying like, oh yeah, everybody's going to be remote. 
they're saying that. And they're, the thing that they say right before that is like face-to-face learning isn't good for everybody. It's like, okay, so your thing is good for everybody. Well, of course yeah. not. So, so one, the one size fits all we know is, is bad. So the question is how do we design a system that has the most diversity, flexibility, responsiveness in it um, to the needs of individual people in their communities Um but but also recognizing that there are, at least for now, with the technologies that we have, educational differences between different modes of of learning. And those have to be considered. You can't just gloss over those and say there's no difference between these modes of instruction. So so how do we think about you know trying to to have a diverse and responsive and equitable school system in terms of the mode of delivery as one of those attributes? So yeah. So maybe someplace down in the future, but not anytime in the near future. Not today. Not today, say, my friend. Not as, today. As they say in Top Gun. Yeah. Oh, look at you mm-hmm. dropping mm-hmm. some Top Gun. Did you see Maverick? Mm-hmm. Is that a choice? Maybe. Um, All right. Are we going okay. to Joyce? I think I'm ready. Okay. Well, then right. I'll just do that. I'll do that as my transition. I saw Top Gun Maverick in the theater. Ooh. Um, and I haven't, haven't seen that many movies in the theater, but... Uh, but I've I've na- nailed the ones that I've done so far. So everything, everywhere, all at once, which was your awesome. joy and was awesome. And yeah, Top Gun Maverick was was great. I mean, in fairness, it's right in my wheelhouse. Right, this is like a nostalgia movie uh, mixed with like uh, action sort of technology movie. Um, You're the, the target population. You're the target target demographic, right? Yeah, you are. I mean, they recapitulated a lot of the music. Um, <clears throat> they have um, the guy that plays uh, Goose's son basically looks like Goose, uh, except beefier. Um, and, Miles Teller, yeah, and he got ripped for this, and everybody's talked about how you know what an amazing guy he is, um, but. I will say the this the plane sequences are so much better than the original just because they're actually in these airplanes flying them and and it is it really the reality of it looks so much more real right because it is real like you see they're in these heavy g um dives or climbs and you can see their faces like basically getting smashed with with g-forces so and you can see out the the cockpit um to see the surroundings so you can see where they actually are and i mean yeah it's it's uh i mean is it a perfect movie absolutely not um but it's it's uh it's really well done and and a lot of fun and definitely uh if you can see it in the big theater you should see it um, but yeah, it, it gave me uh, real genuine joy. Um, That's this, awesome this week. And uh, it's made a lot yeah. of money. And so, which, it which says, it says that there might be more, that, yep. you know, they don't make a, you know, a billion dollars on a movie and then no. say, oh, we're just going to put that on the shelf. Yeah. No, no. Top Gun Maverick to electric boogaloo is coming. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right. So mine is I I can't imagine something being more polar opposite than than yours. But um, due to uh, current political circumstances, uh, I was recommended a book uh, by a guy named uh, Ellie Mistal. 
Um, and so Ellie Mistal. Okay. And and if you've listened to Radio Lab or uh, More Perfect, uh, which is the Radio Lab uh, Constitution podcast, um, you'll be familiar with this this guy. Uh, but he wrote a book called Allow Me to Retort: A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. And it is awesome. Now, if you're out there and you're um, you're celebrating recent decisions, this book probably isn't your probably isn't your cup of tea. Not your not your book. This is not your book. Um, but um, for many many folks out there, you're going to be like, oh, this book is right in my wheelhouse. And I will say. Um, I am counting it as a joy, but it is not a joyful book. Mm. It is not joyful. I mean, it, you'll laugh. He's 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 a great writer. He just tells it like it is. Uh, and there's profanity mixed in and funny things. And just he has a great way of writing, but he is super smart. And he is um, he's analytical um, based on the Constitution and really talking about it in context to his life as a black man. And it is great reading. Um, it's an easy read. It is not bedtime reading because you are going to be pissed off. Um, yeah. are, we allowed to, are we allowed to say that? I, I <laughs> think so. I think that falls. We don't have to put an explicit tag in uh, for that. Yeah, it, it, it's going to make you angry. And so yeah. I've made the decision not to read it before bedtime only because I won't be able to sleep. Yeah. Um, because his analysis of things is so far removed from other conversations that are happening. And so, um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's not something, it's something I'm enjoying, but something that is not very joyful, you know? So, yeah, no, well, we, we certainly have our share of joys that are like that. So uh, I'll have to add that to my list. Uh, What I say is I'll add it to my stack of books. that's on my desk that I'm not reading, but uh, no, well, this one you'll fly through. Like you will just like, it is because each chapter is like shortish, like maybe like four or five, you know, and he'll take a, you know, an amendment or a part of the constitution and just deconstruct it talk about it from different places, talk about it from like historically where it came from. And then he'll rewrite it based on like how it's actually, you know, the, oh, the, nice. Yeah. Like, like what it, what it should have said. Cause like what it meant and yeah. how the words really should, you know, Oh, it's, it's just great. It's a, it's a great read. Um, But it's not going to, it's going to just make you angry. You know, Super. or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it'll yeah. make you joyful. Yeah, or no, both. Probably not. But yeah, it's uh, allow me to retort a black guy's got to the Constitution. Good stuff. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So, hey, there we are. There we are. The, the future is not online, at least not the near future. Not our not, future. Not someone's future, maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe Wally. Wally's. Wally. Wally. Yeah. That is a great movie, too. We're not, it's not my joy, but it could be. Just adding that in the end right there. Yeah. Hot take, hot take, hot take. I got a hot take. <laughs> yeah, Wally, that movie from thirty years ago, <laughs> pretty solid. Yes, thirty years ago. Come on, uh, uh, I don't know. Let's Look it see. up. It is not thirty years ago, dude. Come on. 
Uh, it maybe okay, not. Drum roll, please, while Ollie checks the internet for Wally. Okay, it's not thirty years ago. It's only fourteen years ago. Yeah, that's half. That's half. That's, so, Mister Math Guy, I was off by an order of magnitude. That's yeah. all. Uh, you know, that's not even an order of magnitude. That's just by a multiple. Yeah, yeah. That's not that bad. Still pretty bad. No, is Still, it? I mean, uh, like I'm calling that as a as a win. <laughs> all right nice yeah look i i was well within you know a uh <laughs> an order of magnitude <laughs> which is how physicists estimate yeah. it's within an order of magnitude you're good i'm good you all didn't right. say you didn't say 200 years ago <laughs> i did not say 200 years ago so <laughs> it's a win it's, it's a, a win. win look at me we're yeah. going out on a win yes stuck the landing Woo. yeah <laughs> so we will see you next time in between. See you then. Bye now.